Here at Crossroads Church, we believe that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to us, and we want others to know him as we do. You can visit us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at 500 South Interstate 35 in Belton, Texas. For the most updated information here at Crossroads Church, visit us at crcbelton.com and like us at facebook.com slash crcbelton. You are now about to listen to our Sunday podcast. We hope to see you this Sunday at 1030. Be blessed. A lot of good things happening around here. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me. We are continuing our series in the study in the book of uh, Judges, and we're going to keep journeying there. We're going to be in Judges chapter 10 today. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Samson and, and his life and, and uh, what a kind of a character he was. As we're getting there, if you haven't already, please silence your cell phones. God, in fact, does want to speak to you today. But I can promise you he's not going to call you. He's not going to text you. He's not going to hit you up on Snapchat. Uh, He's not going to send you a message on Facebook. He's not going to Twitter at God, you know, hashtag, are you paying attention? None of that. He is going to talk to you. Amen. Do you believe that? And he's going to use me to do it. He's going to use his word to do it. So and turn those things off. Cowboys aren't playing yet. And uh, so all all of my golf fans, hey, listen, you, you can just hopefully you're recording the golf tournament today, whatever. But. But can we just carve out, you know, we'll go to a movie. And we'll sit two and a half, three hours in a movie. Uh, we get fidgety if we're in church for like more than 30 minutes. Well, I have caffeine and nicotine, all kind of withdrawals. But let's just carve out the next few moments to hear from God. Is that okay? Amen? All right. So we're going to do that. So if you haven't silenced your cell phones, be sure to do that. If you're a guest for the first time today, we are so excited to have you. Let's give all of our first-time guests a big hand. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. We are glad to have you, excited to have you here. Uh, After service is concluded in our time of prayer and our time of worship, uh, my wife and I would love to say hello to you. Maybe you're back for a second or third time and you haven't gotten a chance to uh, uh, meet us. We would love to meet you. So on my right, your left, on this side of the lobby, uh, we have some goodies for you that we want to give you. And by goodies, I mean like chocolate and sugar and stuff. Like I don't know what else you thought goodies meant. Like when people say that I think food sweets instantly. Anyone else think that when someone's a goodies? Hey, so, anyway, so we have some of that we want to give you and just say hello to you and thank you for coming out and being today. And the last thing, someone say last thing. Uh, tomorrow at 7.30 in the morning, 7.30. Everyone say 7.30. Tomorrow morning at 7.30, uh, yours truly along with uh, many other pastors in the community. Uh, it's a community event. It's open for everyone. I'm inviting you to come out and join us at 7.30 uh, Monday morning at Belton Police Department, their memorial, if you've, been, if you've driven by since the memorial has been built, will be gathering outside at the memorial, and I'll be leading one of the prayers, and there'll be other pastors in the community leading prayers, so we're just going to pray over our community. We're going to pray over our police department, our community. We're going to have a prayer over our teenagers and our young adults, and a, just a time of solidarity, a time to come together. Lord knows our nation needs that more now than ever before, amen? Like, we don't need more divisive rhetoric, right? That's not found in God's word. God doesn't say that. Uh, God tells us to come together. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to come together. And so I want to invite you, if you're up that early, uh, we tried to schedule it early enough so that those that are on their way to work can maybe kind of pass through and at least be a part. It's only 30 minutes. We're going to be done by 8 o'clock. And so you can park all along Birdwell and uh, that other street that runs 
your office, I'm looking at you because you work right over there. <laughs> I think it's second or whatever, but you can just, you know it. Uh, if you've ever been to Chef's on a Thursday night, you know where to park anyway. So uh, anyway, <laughs> some of you will get that, some of you won't. But you can just park all along those roads there and be there at 730 in the morning. Amen? Everyone say knockout. Somebody shout knockout. Well, one, two, you know, just knockout. Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee, said Muhammad Ali. I just came up with that. So <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, Judges chapter 10, verse 9. We have just one scripture that I'm going to read because that's all that I want to pull out of this context today. Judges chapter 10, verse 9. We're reading out of the NASB version today. The Bible reads, the sons of Ammon cross the Jordan to fight. Everyone say out loud, cross the Jordan to fight. Everyone say, cross the Jordan to fight. One more time. Why did they cross the Jordan? To fight. To fight also against Judah, against Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was greatly distressed. Everyone say, distressed. They were worried. They were in fear. They were, they were greatly distressed. They saw the sons of Ammon crossing the Jordan to fight them, and they were greatly distress. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for this moment. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. I'm not going to change anybody's life today, but you will. I pray that you use me to do something incredible, but it's not me, it's you. We can't change each other. As much as we may want the person next to us to change, it's not us to do that. That is not what you've called us to do. We're just presenters of the gospel. We're just presenters of the truth. You're the one that does the changing. You're the one that does the transforming. That's why death and life are in your, the power of your hands. That's why you conquered all of that because it's you and you alone. So we confess that we recognize that today, that our dependence on you is, is more now than ever. We're so uniquely and acutely aware that we need you desperately, more than we need food, more than we need air. Lord, we need you. Our nation needs you. Our homes and our marriages and our students and our schools and our government, we need you. Not another sermon. We just need you. And we invite you into this moment, in this hour, into this time to consecrate it, to set apart for you. I pray for every believer in here today. Those in the sound of my voice and perhaps those that may listen on the podcast later. Lord, that they would pick up their gloves again and start fighting. That the fight would come back in them. That the desperation would leave them and the desire to get back in the ring would be there. To deliver that knockout punch. It's you. The same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in us. We thank you for that. God's people said... Amen. Longest prayer ever in history. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight. What did the sons of Ammon do? To do what? To fight. They didn't come to make peace. They didn't come bearing gifts. They crossed the Jordan with one purpose and one intention only, and that was to fight. 
The Bible says that when the children of Israel heard that they were coming to fight them, and not just them, some of the other tribes, the Bible says that they were greatly distressed. Greatly distressed. So they're looking across the Jordan. I'm taking a group to Israel in January. I invite you to come along. If you're not signed up, it's not too late. I'd love to have you join us on our group that is going to Israel. While we are there, we are going to see the Jordan River. And we're going to do baptisms in the Jordan River. It's going to be awesome. The Jordan River is not what you're thinking it is in your head. For those in here that have been on some of these trips before and you've seen it, it's not like the Mississippi. Has anyone ever seen the Mississippi River? The mighty miss, the old miss, the old man, the mighty Mississippi River, right? If you've ever seen the Mississippi, it's a big river, kind of like the Amazon River. It's a big river. I was in, uh, several years ago, I was in Paducah, Kentucky. And if you've ever been to Paducah, Kentucky, you're like, why did I come to Paducah, Kentucky? And I found myself standing on the banks of the Mississippi saying, why am I in Paducah, Kentucky? But I was in Paducah, Kentucky. That's right. That's the name of a real city, Paducah. Only people in Kentucky can name a town Paducah. I mean, they think we're rednecks here, but oh my gosh, if anybody's from Kentucky, forgive me, but they got the real rednecks in Paducah, Kentucky. But a beautiful city sits right on the Mississippi River, and uh, they have these walls built up just because when the when the water comes up, it just kills downtown. And so they built these walls, and so you got to kind of maneuver and and make your way around these walls to see the Mississippi River. And I'm standing there, and I'm just looking at this. I'm looking at the other side, and I pick up a rock. I'm like, I wonder if I can throw this that far. And in my head, of course I can, because I'm a legend in my own mind. We all are. Every guy in here, man, when they sit down and they watch football on Sundays, they're like, oh, man, I could have made that throw. Totally. I mean, like, there is an Uncle Rico inside of every man. (laughs) <laughs> For those of those, if you're like, who's Uncle Rico? Well, at any rate, see me after church. You throw a football over a mountain, you know what I'm saying? Like, coaches would have put me in. But all I'm saying is, like, I picked up this rock, and I was like, man, I'm going to totally just throw this right over the Mississippi River. And, I mean, I wound up like I was the starting pitcher in an all-star game or the game one of the World Series, and it went, river so wide. I was like, man, that is a wide river. Even I can't throw a rock over it. <laughs> Looking around, see if anybody else saw that. <laughs> Tried it again. My best attempts, I couldn't cross, I couldn't cross it with, with that rock. I wasn't about to get in it. The Mississippi River is so wide, so deep. I mean, they like huge barge ships can pass through it, and it's, um, it's a big river. The Jordan River is not like that. I can throw a rock across the Jordan River. <laughs> Probably you could too. So you got to imagine if you're the children of Israel and you're on one side of the Jordan River and your enemy is like from me to Sarah, that's the Jordan River in some spots. Some spots it's wider and some spots it's, it's deeper. But in the spot that we're going to go, this is not what it's like. And I can imagine as I'm reading this, the children of Israel, they're standing there and they're looking and they see the sons of Ammon. And they're not like, hey, guys, we're coming over. We got some cake and some punch and we got some gifts. We have some pelts that we're going to give you and trade with you and some spices from the new world. And No, no, no. They're standing there with spears and shields and knives and men and armor. And they're probably doing some wicked, wild war chant and screaming, and their faces are painting. I don't know what that's like, but in my head, that's what I see like. 
and, and they're, they're looking at them, and the children of Israel are like, hmm, that doesn't look very good. It looks like they're coming to fight us. What are we going to do? The Bible says they were greatly distressed. Probably as you would be as well. What is so interesting to me, though, about this story is it's not as if the children of Israel had never been in a battle. I mean, if you kind of rewind from this part of Judges and walk back through all the way into Genesis, this was not the first time Israel, God's people, had ever been in a battle. It just wasn't. This was not the first time that they had ever thought about picking up a sword to defend themselves. It wasn't the first time they were ever confronted with an enemy. It wasn't the first time that they ever thought they would be in battle. So it confuses me, a nation as rich as they are in history and and, and as as well-versed as they are in a battle and fighting, that they would buckle under just the threat of a fight. The fighting hasn't even begun, but they buckled. They were distressed, brother. They were they were ready to leave town. They were ready to get out of dodge. They were in great distress. Someone say distressed. And they're going to light an SOS. They're calling all their other tribes and the tribe of Benjamin. And they're calling all these other tribes. Hey, we need, to, we need to rally the troops because these sons of Ammon are coming. These are bad dudes. We've heard of these guys before. Like they mean business. And here is a nation that knew what it was like to fight, knew what it was like to confront the enemy, knew what it was like to pick up a sword. And yet just under the threat of a fight, under the threat of a battle, they began to get distressed. When I read that story, I'm reading about the church of today. For those that kind of drifted off after I stopped talking about the Mississippi and lost you there. (laughs) When I read that, I'm reading about the church of today. Not this church, but other church. And by church, you do know I I don't mean a building, right? Does everyone agree with me with that, right? I mean us. We're the church. Like, we can leave here and go be the church somewhere else. So the church globally the American church, if you will, I'm using a lot of quotes today, and I'm not sure why, but the American church. When I read this, I'm reading about the American church because the American church, we know, we know what it's like to fight. We left a continent. We left a continent because of religious persecution. We left for other reasons, but religious persecution was one of them. You realize that the people that settled America left because of religious persecution. They were told by a king that there was only one way to worship. They said, wait a minute, we don't want to, what if we want to worship differently? We can't do that. And taxes and other reasons. But they settled here and they began to offer people this, this idea that you could worship God and connect with him how you wanted to. And then out of that grew all this other stuff that we have messed up today. But that's a whole other story for another time, amen? But I look at our ancestors and I look at where we are today in 2016 and say, it's not like we don't know how to fight. We fought for our liberty from from Great Britain in 1776, right? To have liberty so that we could become our own nation, 13 colonies, the original first U.S. It's not like our ancestors didn't know how to fight. 
when, when, our, when our nation was going through civil war and we were, we were the north and the south were divided against slavery and we were going to free all people. And, and when, when the north finally won, right, when, 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 when it was overthrown per se, and he, well, there's a lot of history there, but, but all that to say when we were fighting over this idea of slavery where all men were free, amen, yes, all men are free. And we were fighting over this idea as our ancestors that fought to, some of, you know, to free these men that were enslaved and in chains and in bondage, men, women, and children. We know what it's like to fight. In World War II, there's a World War I and World War II, and people like my grandpa and, and other men in here, men and women who, who fought for our nation uh, so, that, so that all of Europe could be free. In fact, if it wasn't for people like my grandpa who landed into France and worked their way through France and into Germany and, and other parts of Europe, they would be speaking German today. That's the truth. Amen? You've been through American history, you know. This idea, of, this idea of fighting is not new to us. But yet, we've gotten so comfortable. And then, you know, you fast forward, there was the Vietnam War, and we lost so many men and women, and men in the Vietnam War, and we just we lost people. And then, then you kind of fast forward a little more, and then there was the Korean War, and then, then now we had the first Gulf War, and now the second Gulf War, and... What I'm telling you is this, this idea that there is some fight in us is not new to us. Like when I say that, that should not be a new concept to you. Have you ever had to fight for your position at work? It's okay if you have. You're like, am I supposed to raise my hand? Is that, was that a rhetorical question? Pastor Matt, we never know with you. Anyone ever had to fight for their marriage? Yeah? For all the pe- people that are married here today, and you didn't say anything, you're lying. So, <laughs> if you haven't, get ready. I may fight with each other. I know that. I know the answer to that. I'm saying, like, fight for your marriage. Your pastor and his wife, we have to fight for our marriage. We do. Fight with her. Fight for our marriage. We fight for our marriage. We have to fight for ourselves. This idea that we have to fight. Anybody in here fight for their kids? Yeah? You can find the most timid, most calm, soft-spoken woman. You jack with her kids. Look out, brother. That's a bad day. Am I right, dads? <laughs> yeah, you know. Mama bear comes out. Wow, who's, what happened to her? I don't know. It's on you, brother. <laughs> so there's some teachers in here like, I know. She came to the school. <laughs> oh, man. Anybody in here ever had to fight for their sanity? Yeah? Yeah? Anybody ever have to fight to stay awake? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> fight for your sanity. Fight for your marriage. This, this idea that we're fighting for stuff is not new to us. It shouldn't be new to us. Some of you fought to get here today. And again, not with the person sitting next to you, but seriously, you fought with yourself if you should come to the house of God today. Like if... You could hear your conversation in your head out loud. People would think you're crazy. I'm tired. I don't want to go. I'm hungover. Whatever it is, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I'm, you know, it's been a long week. I think we need the fight back in us. No, I want the fight back in you. Angel, I want the fight back in you. Roxy, I want the fight back in you. I want the fight back in us. 
the enemy is getting ready to cross the Jordan. Can I tell you what? He's not coming to make friends with you. Your enemy, your adversary is standing on the other side of the Jordan River, and he's staring you down. And you have two options. You can buckle and be weak and timid and be under distress. Or you can rise up like the man of God and the woman of God that you are. Give God a praise. Right? And you can stand your ground. You say, if it's a fight he wants, it's a fight he's going to get. We need the fight in us. Look at your neighbor and say, get the fight in you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get the fight in you. Some of you have backed down from stuff that God never told you to back down from. If he's given you a dream, then stand and fight for your dream. If he's given you a spouse, you better fight for your spouse. If he's given you kids, you better fight for your kids. Come on, somebody. We need the fight back in us. We need to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What he is saying is, when I go into battle, I don't take my degrees. I don't take my graduate degree. I don't take the honorary doctorate that I have. Yes, I have a doctorate. It was given to me. I don't have an honor. I don't take that into my fight because, because I'm going to get whooped. I'm going to get the snot beat out of me. He says, you don't take that with you. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Meaning it is not flesh. In fact, when I'm in my fight, I don't fight against flesh and blood. If you're fighting somebody in here today, stop. Look at your neighbor and say, stop. If you're fighting someone in here today, stop fighting them. The enemy has crossed the Jordan, and he's come to America, and he's brought with him racism. That's what he brought with him. And we're seeing the fruit of that today in our world. Jesus told us in the last days you'll see brother and brother fighting against one another. Sometimes we think, this is my brother right here for those that know. We say, oh, it's physical brother, physical brother. But that's also my brother right there. That's also my brother right there. That's also my brother right there. Do you hear my heart today, church? He said, in the last days, brothers will take up arms against brothers. So he crossed the Jordan and he brought racism with him. And now God is looking at the church of Jesus Christ. He's saying, will you pick up your battle? Will you pick up your armor and will you fight for what's right? Or will you chime in on social media with all the other hatred and the nastiness and spew what you think is right? Come on, somebody. You know that to be true. In fact, let me just say this as your pastor, as your spiritual leader. If you'll follow me, I'll lead you to the place. And I'm trying to show you that, that especially if you're following someone on social media who's spewing that stuff, cut them off. You, you don't need them. Why would you want that in your life? I'm being serious. Like, why would you want that in your life? Like all that nastiness and that hate, like the world's bad enough. Why do we need all of that other stuff? So he crossed the river and he brought, he crossed the Jordan River and he brought that with him. He's standing over on, on the, the other bank and he's getting ready to cross the river. He's going to get ready to cross this Jordan. You know what else he's going to bring with him? He's going to bring with him malice and anger. And God's looking at his church and saying, are you going to fight for what I've given you? 
I've given you hope and I've given you freedom. Are you going to be under distress? It's not us that should fear the enemy. It's the enemy that should fear us. Amen. But dare I say he's not afraid of the church anymore because the church truly isn't the church. When we start operating under our gifts, when we start operating in the fullness and the righteousness of God, we are truly an unstoppable force. But as long as we pick and choose sides, as long as we pick our battles, which is not a biblical term, and I don't know why we tell people to do that, I, I think you should pick every battle. I mean, if you're put in a battle, if you're stuck in a ring with the enemy, don't, don't just say, well, I'm just going to pick my battle. You're going to get the snot beat out of you. But, but fight, Amen. And so if we're going to pick our sides and pick our battles, we're going to lose every time. And so God is looking and he's telling them and he's saying, the enemy is at your bank. He's at the threshold of your door right now. Just because you came to church that makes you super spiritual and powerful, it doesn't. I'm glad you're here, but this is just a part of it, right? You understand in that church? Like, you're here to get refreshed and, and hopefully to have new hope and new vision, and, and this is part of it. But when you leave here, all of us are going to go right back into the battle. For some people, this is their breakaway. This is like, whew, one time I can take a deep breath, and I might not have to fight. Because tomorrow when I, when I go to work, I, I'm going to have to fight. I mean, the enemy's going to oppose me. When I go back home, my marriage is, I'm going to have to fight for it. My kids that are defiant and, and not listening and disobedient, I'm going to have to fight for them. Are you hearing my heart today, church? We've got to fight for that stuff. So he says they crossed the Jordan and they came to fight. Anybody remember Mike Tyson in his heyday? Mike Tyson. For those that don't know who Mike Tyson is, man, we got to school you on education. But Mike Tyson used to be a bad I still don't want to take a punch from him. But, man, when he was in his heyday, I mean, he just, nobody, because he was unstoppable. Record knockouts and record time. Even the great late Rocky Marciano was not as great, I think, as Mike Tyson. I think he paved the way for Mike Tyson. If you're not a boxer in here, just stay with me. I've got a point to this, I promise you. I'm not just here to talk to you about boxers. The great late Rocky Marciano. You know the movie Rocky? It was based after this guy named Rocky Marciano. and He was an Italian boxer here in America. He was the first of his family. He was an immigrant, and his parents were immigrants, and they came to the U.S., and he grew up out of nothing, and just like you see in the movie, and, yo, Adrian, you know, and I don't know if he really talked like that, but Sylvester Stallone does, and, and Rocky Marciano became this, really paved the way for many, many boxers. In his prime, Rocky Marciano, his punch was 950, 950 pounds per square inch. That's a lot. Like, imagine that coming at your head, 950 pounds per square inch. That's, that's a lot. That's like an alligator. Instead of biting you, it's like punching you. Mike Tyson's in his prime was 1,100 pounds per square inch. So if you're another boxer and you get in the ring, you got to know at some point he's going to land something. Like, you can't dance around forever, right? At some point, I don't know about you guys, but, well, at any rate, when, the whole Pacquiao fight and this Mayweather fight. Anyway, I, I was a sucker, too. I paid for that fight. Anybody else want to admit that you paid for that fight? I paid for that fight. I was like, oh, man, it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's going to change the world. This is what the world's been waiting for. And I was like, man, there's like ballet in there. Like somebody punched somebody. <laughs> I paid like 60 bucks to watch this, man. Like somebody knocked somebody out. I want to see blood. I mean, you know what I mean? Something. Get my money's worth. 
If you're laughing, you probably paid for it too. You're <laughs> all suckers in here. All I'm telling you is at some point during a fight, 12 rounds, you're going to get hit. A light hit, a hard hit. And you get in the ring with Mike Tyson, and in his prime, when he hits you, it's 1,100 pounds per square inch coming at you like, you know, there's two hits, him hitting you and you hitting the floor. You know you're going to get, in a fight, you're going to get hit. Know that. Like no one walks into battle and they walk out cleaner, smelling better than they walked into a fight. I think God is looking at his children and saying, I've given you something to fight for. Now make it worth it. Get in the ring. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the ring. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid to get in a fight. If the devil wants a fight, let's give him a fight. Amen? Let's stop backing down. Let's stop being so timid. My goodness, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Who does he think he's scrapping with? When you get on your knees and you start praying and you start bowing in righteousness and in holiness to God, when you start consecrating your marriage and your life to him, those are punches that you land against him. When you start saying yes to righteousness and to holiness and you stop saying no to your flesh and you start exhibiting self-control, that's a punch to him. Husbands, when you love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that is a punch to him. Wives, when you submit yourselves to your husbands and you get his six and you watch his back, that is a punch to him. Teenagers, when you obey your parents and you say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. Come on, somebody. Shout amen on that one. Those are real words. Those are not cuss words, by the way. Those are real words. And you, you start using manners and you start obeying your parents, that is a punch to him. But the minute we start letting self rise up and say, woe is me, and what has God done for me lately, and what has he done for me lately, and what has she done for late, me lately, it's, a punch, you're, it's like you're punching yourself. And God is saying, get back in the ring. Put your gloves on, son. Put your gloves on, daughter, and fight for what I've given you. He says your enemy is right there, and he's coming. I'm telling you what he's coming to do. He's coming to fight. He's not coming to shake your hand and give you a pat on the back and say, well done. He's coming with every intention to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why he's coming. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and more abundantly. So fight for it. I feel like we should have played Roxy Shia LaBeouf, like, just do it. For those that have seen that, Floyd Money Mayweather, we talked a little bit about him. He and Pacquiao looked this up. On a light training day, a light training day, on a light training day, both of them can throw 50 or more punches in 10 seconds. That's a lot. I actually found a YouTube video where there's a guy on the street that was seeing if other people could throw that many punches. 50 punches in 10 seconds. What if $100,000, I think I might do it for that. But All right, get in the ring with these two dudes. You got 10 seconds. 50 punches coming at you in 10 seconds. What I'm telling you is you're going to be in a ring and you're going to get hit. And sometimes you're going to be a bloody nose, right? Sometimes there's going to be a crush to your pride. 
Sometimes, guys, you're not going to be as great as you think you are. It's going to be a crush to your pride. Sometimes, women, you're going to have to listen to what your husband is saying and follow him and be respectful of him and honor him in your home before your children. You're going to crush your pride. There's going to be some blows that we're going to take. Sometimes we are going to get sucker punched. Just the minute that we let our guard down just for a second, one second is all it takes for the enemy to come in and just hit you. In a fight, you will take some punches, but I can promise you, he won't win the fight, church. And I think he knows that, and that's why he's fighting so hard, because he knows in the end he's not going to win the actual fight. So every round he has with you, he's going to give you all he's got. That's why there are seasons in your life, like day after day, it's a scrap just to get up in the morning and find the bed at night. Because the enemy's coming at you. I mean, you sit down at work, he's coming at you. You get up on your lunch break, he's coming at you. You go to the store, he's coming at you. You go home, he's coming at you. In your sleep, he's coming at you. And God is saying, you got to fight. That's, that is really your only option. You could tuck your tail and you could run and he can chase you. Or you can stand your ground and you can fight. What would it look like today if we started fighting? What would our homes look like? What would crossroads look like? What would our kids look like? What would our nation look like? What would Bell County look like if the church of Jesus Christ started fighting again? Are you ready to fight? Let's stand to our feet all across this place. Let's give God a praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're a guest with us for the first time today, we believe... In the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the book of James tells us to call for the elders of the church and we can lay hands on you and pray for you. And we want to do that right now. So I'm going to ask all of our elders and our prayer partners and our staff, they're going to make their way to the sides of our building. And as they're going down there now, and some might be in front to pray with you. And before you leave today, and if I said something that's provoked you inside or something's provoked your spirit or maybe, maybe God's used me to say something that's agitated you today to have some motivation or maybe something uh, that Holy Spirit has spoken to you and, I mean, you just want someone to come in agreement with you. Just kind of pray over you. Kind of seal the deal. We want to do that today. We want to pray with you today. Maybe you have an unspoken need. Maybe you're truly sick in your body. Let me tell you something. What we read about in the book of Acts didn't die out with the apostles. It's still for us today. So God still heals. He still sets free. He still delivers. We want to pray with you today. We're going to continue to sing and worship. I'm going to give you a formal dismissal. But my goodness, do not leave here today. If you want to break away, spend some time at the altars. Um, spend some time praying with those on my right, my left, your right, your left. They're all up and down here and here in the front. We'll pray with you. We have guests meet and greet today. Don't forget tomorrow morning, 730. I'll post it on Facebook later at the Belton Police Department. We'd love to see with you and pray with us as a community. You guys are blessed in Jesus' name. We'll see you Wednesday night for our midweek refreshing. Tell someone you love them. You're glad to see them in the house of the Lord today.